Hello and welcome to our Catholic News podcast. Now I'm joined in the studio today by Bishop Paul McAleenan, who is an auxiliary bishop for the Diocese of Westminster and also our lead bishop for Asylum and Migration, Chair of the Office for Migration Policy. Now, we're looking to Iraq or the north of Iraq. And um, of course, you would have known that ISIS or Daesh, as we uh, refer to what was then known as the Islamic State, ravaged that particular region, Syria and Iraq, destroying a great many things, including towns, buildings, churches, displacing hundreds of thousands of people, 90,000 of whom are displaced Christians in the Kurdistan area in northern Iraq. Now, Bishop Paul, you were actually there not so long ago. What were your initial feelings on on seeing this devastation and the impact upon the people? My initial reaction was one of shock, though the whole trip was a mixture of inspiration, shock and surprise. The devastation itself was quite an amazing experience to be actually in the place which one had heard so much about was very sobering and to witness the extent of the destruction not only of entire villages but also of cemeteries and churches riddled with bullet holes was quite an experience. I saw some pictures obviously of you looking on and I thought how would I feel looking upon that? I mean what sort of challenges are those that survived but were displaced or are coming back now? What sort of challenges are they facing? Well those who are now returning to their villages are being ably held by the church because there is an Nineveh Reconstruction Committee and the challenges that they are facing is first of all to identify their homes and when they have identified them to examine to see how badly damaged they are because there is a scheme to begin reconstructing their least damaged houses, move on to the burnt houses and then finally to work on the totally demolished houses. So for the population who are returning, it is a matter of being supported, identifying homes and feeling safe. Now, you were there at the invitation of Aid to the Church in Need, is that right? That's correct. Aid to the Church in Need, they are spearheading the reconstruction, and it is a wonderful initiative that they are in the vanguard of, and they have raised funds, and they are doing very good admiral work. Apart from the reconstruction, are there any specific projects you were taken to see? Well, actually, that's a very interesting question, and actually, it was one of the things that really impressed me, because as one knows that one has experienced a lot of violence and upsetting scenes, then obviously there is a psychological effect on one. And many of the clergy have started some schemes to address the psychological trauma that some people have experienced. And that was very impressive because they're making use of the behavioural sciences and the different psychologies that we are familiar with in the West. And many of the priests had studied in the West and sometimes in Rome. So they're very familiar with these particular sciences that they could employ to help young people, young women, who had been abused, and other adults as well. And um, talking of that psychological trauma, are the people still afraid? Did you get that notion they're still afraid, or or are they starting just to have those signs of recovery? That was one of the most amazing experiences. There seems to be enormous resilience, and even though obviously it's still in their mind, they seem to be coping with it very well with the support of all the different agencies, including the church. Did you detect whether there's any any fear that Daesh may return, or if if not in that form, some sort of militants may, may sort of return to that region? 
In the conversations which I had with numerous people, they told me that this was a periodic happening from long back in history. They say every so often there is persecution, a different dynasty arises and attacks them. So they were not totally convinced that what had happened would not happen again. It must be pretty terrifying for them. Well, well, let's talk about a few of the places you went. I mean, uh, church delegations have visited Erbil in the past, but I notice you've also been to places like uh, Al-Kosh that was evacuated in uh, 2014, Telescoff and Batanaya, again, very, very seriously impacted areas. What, what, were, what were your feelings going to some of those places that I suppose few from this country certainly would actually visit? To stand in Batanaya was an unforgettable experience. It is one town that is totally, utterly and absolutely devastated and flattened. I did meet one family who had returned very bravely. But to be in such a town and to see not only the houses demolished, but also the Christian cemeteries devastated and shattered with sledgehammers, presumably, was an unforgettable experience. We also went into the local church. The altar had been damaged, and in the niches which were high up, which had housed statues, they were surrounded with bullet holes. So it seems that before they actually removed the statues, they actually attacked them with um, rifles and guns. So that was an experience that is unbelievable, Batanaya. The other towns... They weren't damaged to the same degree, but nevertheless, there was uh, evidence of great damage. Some of the damage in one of the towns was caused not only by Daesh, but also by, I was told, U.S. bombers. And actually, saying that, I think I saw a picture of you in front of, I wouldn't call it makeshift, but I mean, I I sort of felt the pain looking at the destruction of some of these beautiful things, places where people would have gone to, to practice their faith. And I think it was kind of in the middle of reconstruction so they sort of had unashamedly put a broken statue I believe of Our Lady in Christ onto the altar and it sort of shows that it is imperfect it has been attacked assaulted as it were yet there's something very real about that isn't there just acknowledging the damage but still holding it up as as something that one can worship in front of. That was a feature it seems of every church that I visited even though there was um beautiful reconstruction in many of the churches. Deliberately, one aspect or one area of the church was left as it had been as a reminder. And sometimes that took the form of a broken statue, as you say. And other times it took the form of uh, leaving a bullet hole or some burn damage as a reminder to the people of what had happened to them and to their community. It's literally like the cross, isn't it? It is looking to the cross. Precisely, and not only that, in one particular church, they had actually made a museum of some of the damaged artefacts of the church, and they were now housed behind the glass screen so that people, presumably in the future, could come and witness what the people had experienced in their history. Did you sense that that was perhaps almost a way of recovering, to acknowledge that the pain, the death and the damage was part of of the uh, sort of recovery process, do you think? Perhaps not so much part of the uh, recovery process, though it could have been. I read it more as an ownership of what had happened to them. 
an ownership of their history, an ownership of what happened to them as a Christian people, and they didn't want to lose sight of it. For as we know, so often um, in history, we do forget what has happened, and it seems with maintaining some of these places that had been damaged, some degree of damage to them, they were ensuring that this would always be in the forefront of their minds. And um, despite that devastation and, and the fact that people hopefully are returning in numbers, did you find them a positive people? Did you find a strength in faith despite their suffering? We went to a number of public masses, even in late afternoon, and the number of people who were so devotedly attending the masses was so impressive. So the faith is um, very strong. It does not seem to have impinged or lowered their faith in any way. In fact, one could say, though I hadn't been there before, it might indeed have strengthened their faith. Well, having not been there before, how would you say that visit has impacted upon you personally? Personally, it brought home to me the reality of the pain that so many people experience in their lives. When one listens to the news or reads the newspapers here in England and one reads of war-torn areas and different conflicts, one doesn't actually have a full understanding of what is taking place. But to be there and to know this actually happened to real people, this happened in my time, this happened to this person to whom I'm speaking, is a very sobering thought. So, of course, Bishop Paul, there must have been a great many memorable things about this visit, but you were telling me one in particular stood out for you. Indeed, it was actually on my last night in Iraq, and we stayed in a Syriac Orthodox monastery, which was 21,000 feet elevation, overlooking the Nineveh Plains. In fact, one could almost call it a desert. It's an enormous monastery. How they ever managed to build it in such a location is unbelievable. And as I looked across the desert, it was as awe-inspiring and as breathtaking as any scene I've ever looked upon before. I've been to the Grand Canyon and I thought that was the most wonderful sight I'd ever seen, but looking across the Nineveh Plains from this monastery was, I would say, even better. However, what put it into context as I looked across this beautiful scene was a conversation I was having with one of the monks of the monastery. He told me of how once he had stood on the monastery walls and he himself looked across the Nineveh Plains and he watched the Peshmerga fighting back Daesh who were approaching towards the monastery. And that seemed to put everything into context. This beautiful, magnificent place of prayer perched high up on the cliff, and yet it was in danger of being demolished because of those who are attacking the faith. Incredible. What a dramatic thing to look upon. Unbelievable. Now, we often see these things through the medium of TV news or whatever it might be, so... To finish, what would you say to our Catholic community here in England and Wales in terms of how they can inform themselves, support, pray for for those uh, Christians and others that are suffering in Iraq? Well, the first thing I'd like to tell the Catholic community in this country is what I find inspirational is how the church is leading the drive to reconstruct. Reconstruct not only homes, not only physical buildings, but also to rebuild people's lives. In the absence of any civic structure, that it is the church who is in the vanguard of building hospitals, building universities, building homes. And the church there really is not only a teacher, it really is a mother. And as we know, 
the church does get bad press these days for various reasons and what can give us great encouragement of how the church is actually doing something so positive, so real in the lives of people and is accepted as doing that. Well, that's great to hear. And obviously uh, those people and, and the wider community in Iraq, they have our prayers at this at this time. Bishop Paul, thanks ever so much for coming in to talk to us. That's Bishop Paul McAleenan, our lead bishop for asylum and migration. Thank you very much. Thank you.